some of the stuff that's happened in our lives has happened because of what we did. Okay, right? And some of it's happened because of what somebody else did. That's tough. That is horrible. But that's the truth. But I still believe, and I'm not asking, I'm not saying you have to believe it. You're still welcome to the pizza. I believe that God promises that He'll work all things together for good to them that love the Lord. And I've watched Him in my life. I've watched Him all the way through the Bible do it. And I've watched Him in my life. Watched Him in some folks around here work horrible circumstances out for good. Let's, I, wanna, I just want to, so those that we've got several visitors tonight, fresh faces. So let me, let me tell you. I guess I should say we've got several normal people here. Uh, <laughs> That's the, you know what you call a normal person at this church? A visitor. Yeah, all right. Um, somebody in this room that could, amen, testify, verify, uh, certify that, when, that God can work all things together for good, uh, hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Tell me about it, Richard. Was there a time in your life that you didn't, couldn't imagine what your life would be like right now with the woman that loves you and a family that loves and respects you and you just watch the gospel just work through the whole family? It's amazing. God works all things together for good. Somebody else, hold up your hand. Let me see it. Catherine. believe it. You've heard it from a, an older gentleman and a much younger woman. <laughs> you never insult the cooks, y'all. Never insult the cooks. Uh, I believe that what you just heard from them is what the Bible proves to be true. God works together, all things together for good. So tell me something good. Tell me something good that's happened. I know it's not easy to say it, especially when times are tough, but tell me something that good that you see God working. Rick.
You'll, you'll do better, folks, if you'll just shut up and just listen. Because if you comment, it's not going to go the right direction. I'm telling you, you just, you smile and nod your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and uh, there are folks in this room that know what it's like. You find some jobs you do because you have to. You've got to have something to pay the bills. You've got to have something to do to pay the rent and buy the groceries, those kind of things. There's other jobs that you have that you look forward to because they help you be productive and you're around the right kind of people. That's a good thing, and that's what's happening with Rick. And we thank God for that. Tell me something good. Yes, to tell me to get up and walk over and do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he helped me uh, clean that house already. I mean, it's Sunday, the last day. So they cleaned it already. Excellent. So I'm, I'm happy. So they told us that we're trying to have more cleaned. That will be extra money for Christmas. Terrific. Terrific. Stephanie. We are too. I'm Darla. I'm going to on to that because I've had a burning kitchen. Now she's moved across the street. <laughs> <laughs> so is she in y- She's in this neighborhood? Ooh. You know, I'm always at their house. Uh, you're always at their house, yeah. Listen, if I lived anywhere close, I'd do the same thing. 
I'd say, what's for supper? And I'd show up, man. Well, I wouldn't ask. I'd just show up. Yeah. <laughs> James. Yeah. Stuff, you know, and still reacting, responding like I would if I was still out, you know. And she, I don't know if anybody else would have been able to handle that that way. And just that was just one look that helped me along the way, and 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 and, and see that there was things more important than me, you know. And so I want to, you know, Peter. I say Peter lost his eye. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't laugh, Bernie. I didn't laugh. I, y'all, I told you earlier. This is one of those you just nod your head. You know. We're gonna. I, you've heard me say it, but we're gonna. We're gonna study it one of these days, and where we can take our time and just walk through the Bible and find it. But there's a. One of the prophets says, God led us through the valley of trouble to find the door of hope. Um, that's the truth in my life. It's the truth in a lot of ours. That's what makes tonight a, such a good night for me. It always is. I never get to eat the pizza. The only time I get to eat is when Louis Eloise cooks because she brings me a plate. But... Uh, you're my favorite, Eloise, but um, I like this because we focus on one thing. With all the fun, with all the heartache, with all the laughter, with all the tears, with all the stresses, with all the joy, all of that, our focus is Jesus. John chapter 9, no, te no review tonight, just John chapter 9. I want you to read the first statement or so. Look in the very first verse and tell me who did Jesus see? Who did Jesus stop? Notice. A blind man. How long have you been blind? From birth. Okay, you see it? I want everybody to notice it. Now stop a second. Stop. Because what we've done in my lifetime, what we've done, and what we've done for all my lifetime in church, hopefully we don't do that here. I don't ever want us to do it here. But I grew up doing this. We talked about the blind man, and we just treated him just like he's black and white letters on the page. Jesus saw a blind man, born blind, and that's it. That's just a matter of fact. Tell me what his mama and daddy felt. Now you're going to meet them in a minute. You're going to meet his mom and dad in a minute. I want to know what did mom and dad think that baby is born. You know how that, you know that moment. What's it like? Describe it for me that moment when that baby is in your arms for the very first time. Your response. 
your reaction to that moment when you hold that baby for the very first time, whether it's the child that just came out of your body, the child that was produced by your body, or you're the grandparent. I mean, you're the, or the, the uncle or the aunt, and you hold that baby for the very first time. Your response is... And later knew I should have, but I didn't. No, no, no. Uh, you're just amazed, right? Then what, what do you notice? What do you watch for? And I, I'm serious. I want just your honest, your honest, real answers. What do you notice? I notice comfort. Every time I mention the bubble, uh, the little bubble. Yeah. What'd you notice? <laughs> good man. He, that's good. You did good. That'll get you the keys to the car one of these days. Yeah. You were already smart back then. You watch, you watch for their smile. You watch for, I loved it when my babies would yawn. I love to watch a baby yawn because their face disappears, you know. <laughs> Just a mouth open. You pay attention, and we just keep going. You look at the little dimples on their knuckles, and you look at, you listen to, you watch for things. You watch for stages, right? When they're going to start uh, rolling over, or they're going to sit up, or they get those kind of things, right? There comes a time when you begin to notice that they can follow you. This baby couldn't do that. Those parents were no different than any of us. Now, they spoke a different language, lived in a different culture. I understand all that. They dressed different, ate different, lived in different. But you tell me they didn't feel about their babies the same way we feel about ours? I know they did. And their baby couldn't follow them across the room. Their baby didn't fix um, this, the newest baby I'm getting to enjoy. Owen, I remember when she first started noticing fans, ceiling fans. She wanted the light. If you turned the light on, it was like a big deal. And then when you got older, she turned, you turned on the fan. In the middle of the winter, she wanted the fan on, you know, so she could watch it. You, this little boy couldn't do that. Tell me, honest, and only parents can answer. Only parents can answer. Tell me what goes through your mind, what goes through your heart when that baby that is so precious, that baby that is so perfect, that baby that is such a gift from God, when you recognize there is something wrong. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong? What do you think? What goes through your mind? What goes through your heart? Broken. What? How do you feel? What do you think? What goes through your head? What goes through your heart? Anger. Guilt. Fear. Anybody else? Worry. Uh, my son was 
uh, my oldest was born premature. And so when they brought him out, and I had never seen a newborn baby. I'd never seen a newborn baby. I did not, I'd had a bunch of babies around in my life, but I'd never seen a newborn. And he came out and his head was the shape of like a cone. You know, of course you stood on your head for nine months, you'd have a funny looking head too, right? And he was blue because he was having trouble breathing. And I remember they put him in the little incubator and you could still in those days get up toward the glass and look in and see the little baby in the incubator. And they had laid him down on his side. They had pinned one of his ears under him. So all I could see was just part of one ear under him and that blue color and that weird shaped head. And man, I'm worrying. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what's going to happen. Now he's 40, what is he, 42? How old are you? He's 43? Yeah, he's 43. All right, 43 years old now. Head's the normal size. He's got the same, he doesn't have the same color. I started to say he's still blue, but no, he's not blue. Um, and he's still talking, that's right. But I stood there outside that window praying for that baby because I didn't know if his head would ever be shaped right. I didn't know if he had a normal ear. I didn't know if he could see. I didn't know if he could hear. I didn't know if he'd ever learned to walk. I didn't know. I didn't know any of those things. I just remember thanking God that he was here and praying, God help me be the kind of daddy I need to be for him. I'm not saying I was, but that's what I prayed. These parents loved that boy the same way. And when he was born blind, here's what people in the world thought. Read the next phrase. The disciple says, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? What are they saying? What are they implying? Oh, before that, what's the first thing in there implying? That well, first of all, just initially, general, somebody's to blame. When things like this don't go the way we want them, when things aren't normal like we think they are ought to be normal, then somebody's to blame. Somebody's got to be to blame. Because you gotta, you understand, right? That if you know who to blame, then you know who can. No. What did that old boy tell me? He said, you can affix the blame, but that won't affix the problem. But how many of us, honest, how many of us face situations, whether it's the health of our children or the struggle to make a living or paying the rent or the car having windows that won't roll up? I mean, we got that kind of trouble in honest how many of you start looking for somebody to blame? Honest. How many of us start looking for somebody to blame? They were implying that this man had some kind of fault in him at birth, before birth. 
They had some kind of fault in him. There are religions that teach that there is somehow some kind of nasty old horrible sin that's passed on from generation to generation, from mama to son to son to baby. That, that is not true, y'all, but that's what these disciples thought, that this man, well, there was something wrong with him, and he could not help but be blind because of what he had done. Or they thought maybe this, the parents had sinned. That there was going to be judgment. That there was going to be some kind of judgment. I did something wrong. I, and I need to see hands on this. I need to see hands on this. How many of us, when something went wrong with our kids, whether it was their health or some accident, how many of us thought God was punishing them because of our sins. Yeah. Yeah. You know that's possible, right? You know your kids can suffer because of our sins. Let's make sure we, we deal with the truth. First point, this child had no sin. That The reason this child was born blind had nothing to do with his own sin. Children are not born in sin. Anybody that teaches you, I don't care what kind of special clothes he's wearing, he's wrong. I can show you in the Bible where Jesus says he's wrong. Don't pay attention to that. Don't buy into that. Don't hold on to that. Second of all, sometimes the decisions we make have a long-lasting effect on our kids. Some of you ladies that are young and still have the ability to have children. I know some of you still struggle with. I, some, some of you don't, don't yet see how dangerous alcohol is for you. But if you find out that you're pregnant, please stop drinking. Please stop drinking. Because alcohol on a, a baby that's developing inside a mama can damage it for the rest of his life, her life. And it can't be fixed. It cannot be fixed. You people that think you have medical degrees because you can Google stuff, I love you, but Google. Google fetal alcohol syndrome. You drink when you're pregnant. You can do damage to a child that they can't ever overcome. It will limit them mentally. It will limit them emotionally. It will damage you. can. Your sinfulness, your impulsiveness, your foolishness can damage your children. Yes, it can. Now let's take it another step. Can my behavior cause trouble for my children even if they are physically, emotionally, and mentally normal? Yes. Yes. Um, you'll have to do the reading on it. You'll have to do the reading on it. As a child grows up, the normal human development, their little brains form and they start to develop, develop uh, paths where they communication comes to them. You know, and, and they develop little, their own little path where they hear things and it causes these responses. That's how you teach them to do things. How many of us, I mean, one of the first things we teach our kids can somebody tell me what's one of the first things you teach your kids to do? No, with their hands. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, where do they learn that? Because you're always doing it from the moment. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye. Now, they, they're little creeps. 
They're little creeps because they'll never do it until after the person leaves and then they go crazy. Uh, <laughs> you're trying to impress somebody. My, my baby's 12 years old and he can wave bye-bye now, you know, that kind of stuff. You try to get it. You try to give them, and this is, bye-bye is one of them, but you know what the other one is? High five. Give them five. Give them five. Give them five. Give me ten. I don't know. Give them five. Give them high five. And I saw somebody do fist bump the other day. Kid, kid's not even old enough to know, and they're going fist bump. Boom, yeah. What's next, man? Yeah. Tackle Warren, whatever. I don't get it. But you know how they learn that? How do they learn it? They see it and they hear it in the repetition, right? Repetition. And they learn that little pattern, right? They learn that pattern. Um, one of the little things that Owen learned that way. Uh, she's two now, so she's a little past it. But when she was little bitty, I'd walk through the house with her and I'd say, Who loves Owen? I do. And then everybody in the house, I'd make them hold it, and they did it already anyway, but I do, I do. And we got to saying I do that she learned to say I do real quick. She'd throw up her arm, go, I do. I'd say, who loves Owen? I do. She'd hold up her own hand. I like that, I like that. Well, I started trying to teach her about who made the trees, who made the clouds, who made the dogs, and I, we'd go for our walks, and I'd be walking around, pushing her stroller, I'd be carrying her, and we'd be looking around. I said, there's the trees, there's the birds. Who made the trees? And she'd hear the word, who, and she'd go, I do. We thought for a while she was going to be an atheist because she never would say God, you know. Now, all of that we see is normal. That's the way it's supposed to happen. If your child is hearing you scream and curse, they are learning it. And then when they say it or they react that way to you and you get offended and you get upset, where do you think they learned it? And what it does is it trenches a little place through that little brain that is there for the rest of their life. Now they can overcome it with help. They can overcome it with good examples. And they can overcome it with good teaching. Thank God, right? But you got little ones at your house? Stop screaming. Stop. It does no... There is no good thing that comes out of yelling in front of little kids. It changes the way they think. It changes their brain chemistry. Stop it. You're just hurting them, and you're not helping each other. When's the last time you listened to anybody yelling at you? When's the last time you really listened to somebody yelling at you? You don't, because the moment they start yelling at you, what do you do? You start yelling back, don't you? You stop listening. Stop yelling as I yell. Now, these folks said... These folks said, well, he must have sinned. He must have had some evil in him or his parents sinned. point I'm trying to make for you that I think he's trying to make here is that we look for somebody to blame. I want you to look at the next thing Jesus teaches them. And if we hear nothing else, if we hear nothing else tonight, let's hear this. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. 
So who's to blame for this little boy being blind? Nobody. Are there times things can happen that aren't anybody's fault? Yes, they're just circumstances. It's just the way it is. Does anybody know whose keychain this is? I'm going to use it. it, it it's, it's made out of... It's whose? Okay, Jocelyn's. Uh, okay. It's one of your grandkids, Catherine. I'll throw it back to you in a minute. It's made of cloth so it won't break, so don't ever go, oh. Now, if Owen saw this, this size, she'd say, baby, baby. And she'd go, oh. <laughs> She's already learned to be a woman. Oh. Hold a big kind of boy. I teach her that's a spank that baby. No, 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 no. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Sort of. All right, now, if I let go of this, what's going to happen? Why? Because I made it fall, right? No, it just, that's the law of gravity. There are some things that take place in the world that are going to happen, and you have no control over them. But the, if you don't have any control over them, that means no, other people don't have control over them either. So guess what we stop doing? We stop blaming. We stop blaming people for the things that are wrong in my life. If there is somebody to blame, and it's me, then I accept that blame. But if it's not my blame, or if it's not your blame, or if it's not somebody else's blame, then let's stop blaming and just learn what Jesus said here. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened. I want you to underline the next two words. This happened. What are the next two words? So that. This happened. So that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now does that mean God made it happen? That's not what it says. And you want to draw that theological conclusion? I'll let you live with that. That's not what he said. I'll let you deal with that however you want to. But he said this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. If you pray anything for me, pray that, please. Pray that right there. I want the work of God displayed in my life. How about you? I want the work of God displayed in my life. Now, do I like having enough money to pay my bills? You bet. Do I like having enough money to put a little gas in the car? You bet. Do I like having enough food to get this fat? Yes. <laughs> and plan on having some more. But when things were worse, or like they may be in your life right tonight, is it possible that these things happened so that the work of God might be seen in your life? So rather than blaming somebody for it, let's turn to God and wait for it. Expect it. Expect God to do something amazing. 
You got some problem in your life? You got some problem with one of your children? You got some problem in your health? You got some problem in your family? You got some problem? Let's step back and let's wait. Let God display the work of God in his life. How do I do that? How do I do that? Read the next phrase. Tell me how I do that. As long as it is day, we must read the phrase, do the work of him who sent me. Guess what my job is? Instead of trying to figure out who to blame for everything that's happened in the whole history of the world, what's my job? Say it again. One more time. Do the work of him who sent me. Is it my job to make sure that everybody does everything that I think they ought to do? No. My job is to do the work of Him that sent me. So let's go to work. Are there some things, you want to change some things in your life? Where does it start? You want to change some things in your family? Where does it start? You, you understand that's right, don't you? Well, I cannot tell you how many couples come sit in, my, sit in my office and they start talking and I say, what's wrong? What's going on? What's wrong with your marriage? You know what the number one thing they, that comes out, doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter what kind of age, doesn't matter. You know what the first answer is? She or he, depends on who's talking first. Every every 99.9999999% of the time, the guy will say, well, she just, and you just fill in the blank. Or if the woman speaks first, and really what's funny is they look at each other first. I say, what's wrong? What's going on wrong with your marriage? And they look at each other. Like who's going to be the first one to step out into this mess, you know, and start the fight, you know. And I have several videos that you'd like to see. Never, no, no, no. So somebody, they look at each other, and then when finally somebody gives in, the first response tends to be what he does or what she does. What's my job? Read the text. Tell me what's my job. Do the work of him who sent me. You want to fix your marriage? then start with you. Forget about telling him what he ought to do, or better yet, of what he should have done. Because bless your hearts, he could not read your mind. He has no crystal ball. He is not going to be able to predict you. Ladies, you know that's right, don't you? And this old line of, I heard the lady say it, and I heard her. I mean, this is not theory. I hear this. She said, well, if... He really loved me. I wouldn't have to tell him. Are you kidding me? If you really love him, you will tell him. You got. He's not going to be able to read your brain. No. You only put that Vulcan mind meld on your head. You know. No. It's not like an octopus stuck on your face, just sucking all the knowledge out. No.
I don't know why I thought of that. <laughs> Point is, you got to go to work. You want to fix your marriage? You go to work. You want to fix your job? Ooh, ooh, I'm fixing to get, I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to get nosy. Because I, and guys, the only way I know this is because I know me. I've been there. There is never a boss that's going to be as smart as you. There's never going to be a coworker that's going to work as hard as you. It's got to be true because when y'all come into my office, it's always, well, my boss is an idiot and my coworkers are lazy. <laughs> right? Your boss is never smart enough. Your coworkers will never work hard enough. And you're the only one that ever does anything. And so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm not going to go to work. That's a good way to have a job is not go to work. But I, it happens, and I love you. You know I love you, but some of you, some of you give me, I almost lose my mind. I need a job. Okay, go get you a job. You had a job? And I said, how's the job? Well, I don't have a job. What happened? Well, I quit. What's wrong? My boss is an idiot. My coworkers are lazy. Every time. You got a job? Work! You want to fix your job? You want to fix your job? Go to work. You go to work. I had a guy, he, he, I'm serious, sat right in here. He's not here any longer. But if, if, he, if he was, I'd look right at him. He said, I just don't understand my boss. I said, what do you mean? He said, he docked my pay the other day. I said, why'd he do that for? He said, well, he told me it's because I'd been late five days this week. <laughs> and I said, what? He said, I, he said, I can't believe that he expects me to be there on time. <laughs> oh, really? How rude of him, you know. I think he's an idiot, you know. You want to fix your job? Go to work. To fix your marriage, go to work. Gary, what were you going to say? Well, in my personal experience, the only time I ever make an excuse is when I failed. You know, when I'm successful, I, I don't make any excuses. If I, if I, if I screw something up, I, I, I can line them up. The only time I ever use excuses is when I, when I screwed up. And when I mess up, man, I got lots of people I can blame. Right? Right? When I mess up, I can blame everybody. Hang on. You're going to fix you, go to work. You're going to fix your family, go to work. You want to fix your job, go to work. Let me say this one more time. You want to fix your kids, go to work. And I'm not talking about go to work on your kids. I'm talking about go to work on you. Serious. I, I, I will tell you a secret. This is nine, this is true nine times out of four. Every parent that's ever brought a child to me to counsel, I've said, I'd like to talk to you first. I want to help your child if I can, but why don't you come see me first? And in every case, and I'm not saying this is true in every case, but every case I've ever dealt with, you know what the problem was? 
the parent. Sometimes your kids are acting just like you're acting. So you got to help. You want to fix your kids? Go to work. Keep reading. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the light and while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. What does that tell you? Think it through. Stay on point. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. If I'm, my job is to go to work, but night is coming, and Jesus is in the world, and He's the light of the world, what do I do? I work until Jesus says stop. Because as long as He's in the world, He's the light of the world. I've got light, right? There are so many good things in this chapter. I want you to read it. I want you to, I want you to just enjoy it. It's an incredible study on how you need to respond to people when they ask you, what changed you? Why are you so different? They're going to ask you, said, what happened? They said, well, this guy smeared mud on my eyes and said I could see, and I can see. And they said, well, who is he? He said, I don't know who he is. He just did it. And they said, well, we think he's somebody bad. He said, well, I don't think he's somebody bad because he, he look what he did. And they said, well, you don't know anything. And he said, I don't know anything. I'm just, I don't know anything except I know who that he caused me to see. You want to understand how to deal with your friends? You want to understand how to deal with your family? Instead of trying to convince them that you're right and they're wrong, just keep giving credit to Jesus. One more time. I'll say that one more time. You want to study... You want to learn how to help your family learn about Jesus? Stop trying to convince them they're wrong. One more time. Stop trying to convince them that they're wrong. And just keep talking about Jesus. Just keep talking about Jesus. Even if they think you're stupid, just say, you're right. I'm an idiot just like my boss. I, you just keep talking about Jesus. I appreciate you. I appreciate Linda being honest about it and saying it, sharing it with you. Right? Now, I'm going to add one thing to that, and it's it would be the point that Linda would make if we kept she kept talking about it. You make those changes not to get the other person to change, but because it's right to be that person. That makes sense? Cuz I love you, but you know what I hear from you sometimes? Well, I, I changed. I've changed. And, and she hadn't done anything. She hadn't appreciated it at all. She hadn't changed at all. And I'll say, well, what do you mean you changed? Well, I started Thursday. <laughs> what is it, Sunday? And you made it three days and she hadn't noticed yet. You don't change to get someone else to change. But if you'll change, you can affect and influence a change in other people. Does that make sense? 
So what happens? Let's time out on it, we'll get, and then we'll stand around and talk all we want. But um, things gone bad in my life. Things gone bad in your life. In my case, my, I was to blame. Nobody else. But is it possible that those things have happened in my life so that the work of God might be seen in my life? Yeah. Number two, if I'm going to have some influence, if I'm going to let God's works be seen in my life, what do I got to do? Get to work. Do the work that He sent me to do for me, for my family, for that idiot boss, right? And then how long do I work? As long as Jesus is the light of the world. You just keep working. He'll tell you when it's quitting time. He will tell you when it's quitting time. You'll hear this loud horn. Somebody will shout. The sky will rip. The earth will catch on fire. Your body will either be raised from the grave where it is or it'll be changed while you're being beamed up to Jesus. And that's when it's quitting time. That's when you get to go home. You get to be in heaven. You get to rest. Right? Until then, what do I do? Work. Go to work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these folks, for their... for their... After all, as hard as some of them worked today, some of them worked outside, wind and cold. Um, some of them worked with children. Um, some did things that just created a lot of stress in them. Some did some things that uh, just wore them out, God. Physically, you know, they're here. And I thank you, God, that they're here. And I ask God, you bless them. Take care of some of those things that have caused them to be alone, lonely or those things that have caused them to be afraid or those things that have caused them to be guilty or distressed. Take care of some of those things, God. But in this moment, right now, we thank you for Jesus, the light of the world. And would you help us go to work Help us be and become the kind of men, the kind of women, the kind of husbands, the kind of wives, the kind of parents, the kind of children, the kind of employees, neighbors, friends, brothers, sisters that we ought to be, that you meant for us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, folks.